Welcome to Give Back, the podcast presented by Feed the Kids Foundation, where we explore the inspiring stories of businesses that are making a difference in their communities. I'm your host, Caleb Stokes, and today we're joined by Ryan Rock, who's the principal at Orem Elementary. Ryan, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, Caleb. Oh, thanks for being willing to come in and sit down and take a little bit of time and talk to us about uh, education and kids and, and different things like that that's happening in our community. Yeah, absolutely. So, Ryan, I got to know you last year. Like I said, you're the principal at Orem Elementary, and um, our foundation, Feed the Kids Foundation, was able to come in and and uh, make a make a donation and help some families in in your in your school. And I just thought, what a great resource to have. And and now that we've been building a relationship, to invite you to come on the podcast and and help us understand a little bit more about some of the challenges in our local community and, and education and, and things like that. And so before we jump into those, Ryan, why don't you tell us a little about you and where you grew up and you know, kind of your interests and things like that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, yeah, first of all, education is something that's just part of who I am, like as a person. I, I have always loved school, loved education. I grew up in, in Lehigh, Utah, uh, attended Meadow Elementary School. Uh, my dad was a teacher, my mom was a teacher, my, my grandma was a teacher, and, and I grew up just in this world of education being really, really important. And for me, school was something like I just thrived there. I loved it, I loved my teachers, they were some of my mentors. Um, I, I was the type of kid that would go back with my friends and visit my teachers, you know, years later and, and spend time with them, especially my elementary teachers, man. They were just incredible human beings and, and I just love spending time with them. Anyway, I, I think um, there were some challenges though as a, a son of educators, you know, we, um, we were low middle class, um, times were tough, um, we, we did not have a lot. But that being said, um, you know, I continued to pursue my education. I, I graduated from American Fork High School, went on to Utah Valley University, which at the time was UVSC, and then, and then finished my degree at BYU in, in education. And, and the thing that kind of turned my, my focus back to wanting to be a teacher, um, I'll never forget. You know, I was with my wife. We were sitting there, um, newlyweds. I had, I had several options available for what I could do. And um, every time the teacher idea came up, I would try and deny it a little bit because I knew. Like, it wasn't like it was a mystery to me of what being a teacher would demand of, of me in terms of sacrifice of time, money, etc. And, and yet um, there was just something that thankfully my wife could see and, and help me remind myself why I, I believed being a teacher was going to be the best choice for me. And, and I, I still remember that first year I started uh, teaching at Lake Ridge Junior High in Orem. And even though there were some challenges, that first year is always hard. I, I knew like from day one, like this is this is my my dream job, um, working with the kids, 
um, getting to, to know them, getting to share like what I'm passionate about, what I love, seeing these light bulb moments in their life and in their eyes. Um, I, there's just nothing better. Uh, teachers often call it uh, not a job, but a calling um, for a right. reason. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so I, I taught um, at the junior high school for, gosh, 14, 15 years. And then during that time, I was working on um, my additional degrees. Eventually, you know, I finished a master's in second language acquisition to get better at my job, which was teaching French. Um, and then I and then I finished a, a doctorate because again, that's me. I loved school. I loved being in school. So I got my doctorate in educational leadership so that I could be a principal. Um, the the choice to be a principal is a hard one as a teacher, you know, especially having done that for 14 years, you'd say, you know, they're going to go to the dark side. That's, <laughs> that's what principals are called. You know, they're going to the dark side. Um, I had some friends and colleagues that, that became administrators and uh, yet yeah, you can't help but wonder like, yeah, they're just kind of like, you know, leaving us, you know, leaving the teacher ranks. Um, being in the trenches, but I tell you what, administrators are as much in the trenches as, as teachers are. Um, it's just a different way of, of helping the kids and helping the teachers succeed. Um, I have so much more compassion and love for, for principals, and had I known, I, I think, um, had I really understood what this job entails when I was a teacher, man, I would have appreciated it even more. So. Um, it's not easy being a principal, trying to manage a school, trying to deal with all of the different problems and challenges that arise um, every day, challenges that you can't even dream of, um, and, and nor can you ever prepare for. <laughs> they just come, boom, here it is, go work with it's, that. It's different day, day by day. Right? Oh, every day. Every day is like, okay, let's see what happens today. Um, so I've been a principal at Orem Elementary now for, for the last two years. Um, so I moved from junior high to elementary, and I and I love it. Um, so you started out as a principal at junior high. Yeah. So I went teacher junior high, principal, uh, assistant principal, junior high, and then now principal at Orem Elementary. How different? Excuse me. How different is it dealing with junior high kids versus the elementary kids? Um, totally different. Uh, the the junior high school. All of the the uh, the stereotypes of junior high kids being what they are, it's it's true. Yeah, the hormones are racing. They're absolutely awkward in every sense of the word. Uh, junior high is just the the armpit of education in terms of what kids are going through, their challenges, their their fears, their just, they're kind of trying to figure yeah, out Yeah, they're just so they're so lost. Junior high kids are just yeah, they're their lost place little with puppies. Their friends. Yeah. And everyone's changing, right? So like friends that you've had for decades turn on you. Um, everyone uh, starts to like single out and decide, "Hey, I'm part of this group. I'm part of this group." And and they're doing it to kind of explore who they are as a person, but it turns into like often you know, backbiting and gossiping and bullying and all these other challenges that are really difficult. But man, I love teaching junior high. Like it was so incredible. Um, 
those kids are just outstanding. They have so much life and energy and um, even though they're going through all these other they just need direction, right? Yeah, and they just need they direction. They still can do amazing things. And what's amazing about uh, being a teacher in junior high is they see you as an adult, as a mentor, and as a friend, um, and they cling to you more than they cling to their parents in, in a lot of ways. Like, I know this now that I've been a dad of now three teenagers. Like, they're not interested in me as a dad as much. I mean, they still need me, but they absolutely are looking to other adults to find um, some sense of uh, the world and, and who they are. Maybe a little validation. Validation, acceptance, um, and direction, right? They're looking, because they've heard from you for the last 12 years, they're like, I want to hear from another adult about how this life really works. So they they saw me as a teacher, as, as someone that they could trust and go to and talk to um, about life and challenges and what they were going through. And so I, I, I felt really honored and um, privileged to be able to have that relationship with a lot of my students and and be a, a positive influence in their lives um, and for you know for those 15 years I absolutely just treasured those relationships um, went to countless farewells and weddings and birthday parties and other things throughout mm. um, throughout those years and it just yeah I, I still to this day um, keep in touch with dozens and dozens of those past uh, students and they they had such an impact on me and they uh, they always want to say you know you had such an impact on on my life and I'm like oh, whatever you know I taught you French but it wasn't about the French it was about you know that I cared about them I was there for them I you know I was positive and um, for them that that made all the difference to see an, another adult that that cared about them as a person. Well, and I honestly, look, being a teacher, being a coach, being some sort of a, an educator of some kind, always plays um, a huge role in, in, in young people's lives, right? Totally. Um, but I think the thing that really helps is when we're genuine. Mm-hmm. And getting to know you over the last year, I, that is definitely something I would definitely say about you is that you are a very genuine person and um, that your concern about your staff and your the kids that come to the elementary is is very very real and it's not just you're not just coming in and, and collecting a paycheck and being like well I'm, I'm on the downside of my career and I'm going to be retiring in X amount of years and I'm just going to muddle through the school year um that's not the feeling that I got from you, and that you're really invested in in your in these kids and in, in the community, and trying to make sure that you leave a positive um, imprint on everyone you come in contact with. Oh, thank you. That's that's kind of you to say that. I I definitely do care. Um, that that is one thing. So, Ryan, tell us. So you go from junior high, you now in elementary teacher or principal excuse me um there are huge differences right in the kids of what you're dealing with and um what are some of the things that you see that are challenges especially for our elementary schools right now yeah so when when i came to orem elementary the 
the very the very first thing that I noticed was that the students had had a very difficult time interacting with each other. That was that was kind of like the number one thing that really crossed my mind. Hey, these these kids, um, they go out at recess, like they just struggle to find friends, to feel connected with each other. Um, Orem's kind of an interesting place. We have um, just this wide range of different kids that, that attend there, you know. Um, and our differences, as we know as adults, they can, they can often get intensified in a schooling situation, right? And so you have like different socioeconomic backgrounds. Um, we have very well-off families in, in Orem Boundaries and we have very low-income boundary uh, students, you know, many that are homeless, many that are, um, you know, they don't have parents, they're, they're orphans, they're, um, they might have single family uh, situations where it's just mom trying her best to, to raise her, her kids. You've got the different um, ethnicities and, and cultural differences that, that often are a challenge, you know, new immigrant families that, you know, made their way here to Utah and don't know any English, but they got their kids in school and, and here they are. Other multi-generational, um, you know, families with, with issues of poverty, abuse, things that just, you know, you hear the stories, you talk to the, the caseworkers and, 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 and teachers that share these things and it just breaks your heart that such a, a young, impressionable kid ha has had to go through things that even in my own life I can't even imagine having to go through mm -hmm. um, and and yet they come to school every day they show up many of them smile and are um, doing their best um, and it's just incredible and I and I knew some of that in when I was in secondary but as you move from being a teacher to an administrator you you get to know all of it you get to know it all um, yeah, as a teacher, there was a lot that we were kind of in the dark on in terms of their, the kids' You become the person as an administrator that needs to fix and know how to fix, and so you get to know right, more, right? Right, So, yeah, it's, it's like the difference between maybe a nurse and a medical doctor. Like, you just, you know it all. You know their past history, you know their challenges, you know it all. And, and so, as a principal, we have... Um, we we have to become sort of the the middle person um, with all of these other with the family the student the teacher but also all these other resources to try and provide a, a network of support for that student you know so say you have a kid that's that's been in an abusive relationship well you have to be aware of that so that you know you know okay can this parent come in? Who can check them out? Who has contact? Mm. Are they getting support at home? Are they getting fed at home? Um, do they have a counselor? Do they have another support network? Are we it? <laughs> you right. know. And if that if we're it, then what are we doing to make sure that that student feels safe and loved and protected at least um, during the eight, seven eight hours they're at school? Wow. Yeah. It's it's a daunting task um, to say the least. And you didn't know all that information 
for how many kids do you have at your school? Um, at Warham, we're just around 700. 700 kids. Yeah. And you... I'm the gatekeeper. Need to know yeah. all this stuff. Now, I'm sure you don't have every kid's situation memorized. No, and not every kid struggles to that extent. Right. But, um, so we have um, various leadership teams at the school. Obviously, we have teams that work on academics and academic supports. But we have... Um, other teams that work specifically on the social emotional needs so, of the students. So let's talk about it for one second. Define these teams. Are these just other of your teachers that take yeah. on another role? Like you give them, they're part of this committee. Yeah. And these teachers, they've gone all day teaching and now they got to sit on another committee and help solve problems. Oh, yeah. For some of these kids and families and stuff like that. They and, do it all the time. And so you, we're not talking about a team that is not teachers, but these are the teachers. No, these are the teachers. Yeah, this is a above and beyond. These uh, teachers are contracted to teach third grade, but they they always have other duties as assigned. Um, they'll be on an assessment team. They'll be on a leadership team. They'll be on a social emotional team. They'll be in charge of the Hope Squad, which is a suicide prevention mm -hmm. group. Um, they'll help out with our student leaders. Yeah, um, literally every teacher has at least one, if not two or three extra two duties. Two or three on top of one. Oh, easy. And that's in elementary and, and then in junior high you have that plus coaching um, and other things like that. After school clubs, high school, same thing. Teachers are always doing three or four extra things on top of their So all teaching. these other behind the scenes, everything else is like, oh, this is just being put on. It's not because you're having outside people come in yeah. for the most part and help and, and they'll get it's a stipend usually done from within the the, the teaching ranks yeah. at the school yeah they'll, they'll get a small stipend you know five six hundred bucks a year for these other responsibilities <laughs> for their other responsibilities but it nowhere near covers what what the work is that they're actually doing they just do it because no, they they not. love it and they they care about the kids that's that's the five six hundred bucks is like a, yes, a pat on the back saying yeah, thank you yeah wow I didn't I, I didn't know that I mean I have my own kids that go through school and I got elementary kids a junior high kid and, and a high school kid and um, I think sometimes we take for granted yeah. these things that just happen at the school and we don't know who really is the face behind putting these things together and and uh, um, we just just well it just happens so I don't yeah. know, we don't ask a lot of questions and we don't really dig into it and yeah I'm glad and, you asked that that is a huge part of, of teaching is all these other meetings that are going on either in the mornings or afternoon um, and they they happen every week all the time mm. you know and so we'll address you know we'll have spreadsheets with kids and we'll talk about you know hey is Joey how he's doing you know how's his behavior what what's going at home um, what are we doing to support him um, and we'll rope rope in uh, some other people like we'll bring in we have a school counselor um, that I've budgeted for um, the school district gives us some uh, time with a social worker a school psychologist so we'll bring them in as kind of help and support and then oftentimes what I'll do is I'll I'll reach out to other community resources depending on what the situation is to try and find some solutions to what's going on so I'm glad you brought that up because I was gonna ask you um, <clears throat> 
Does the district give you a list of community resources or is it up to you to go find community resources um, through your own personal connections? Is it, you know, people like me that just came by and you're, you're, your your office one day and said hey you don't know me and but this is who we are we're feed the kids foundation we want to work with you i mean how how do you find these resources as principal yeah no that's a great question yeah i wish it was a little more streamlined unfortunately it's not um i think um various agencies city agencies district resources they're they're getting better um i will say that but for the most part uh the principal is very much the just the center of knowledge in terms of what's available and what's not and so we we get flooded with emails all the time from different people trying to usually trying to sell us things um, trying to bring in programs to the school and market stuff Um, so that's a bit of a, a chore to try and you know, sift through, sift through all of that. Really what's what's going to help my kids? What's not? You know, um, so a lot of what happens is word of mouth. You know, principals will talk together and say, "Hey, have you tried this?" Or "Here's this." Go-, you know, have you have you ever considered using this program or this company? Or yeah, so we talk a lot. Um, the cities themselves are trying to get a little more organized and and work. So I know Orem City's done a lot of. Um, this the last couple years trying to bring together principals at first like seven eight years ago it was very much just about safety and school safety and now it's starting to branch out where we're talking more about hey um, this is where you go if you need housing this is where you go if you know say say there's some abuse in the home or suicide so they're starting to pull together their resources as a city um, and bring us in and loop us in on some of those things. Um, the district partnered with like United Way a couple years ago, and so they've been trying to get more involved in sharing resources. But yeah, no, when you when you came uh, last year and talked about Feed the Kids and you came in and we, we chat about it, um, it was very much, a, I had no idea. We don't know about these things. We're just trying to run our, our school as best we can and oftentimes you have information and uh, most of the time you don't. You're just trying to figure it out and, and find it on your own. So um, just one follow-up question with that. So you had mentioned earlier that you have kids that attend your school that are homeless. Yeah. And maybe they're from orphanages. Are there resources for you to help those families who are homeless in our community? Yeah, so we work with, um, there is a lady at the district office. Um, we, we, we receive some funding through what's called McKinney-Vento. Um, and so there, um, it, it's a challenge. Yeah, as soon as you find out, um, sometimes they don't disclose. Um, but as soon as you, you catch wind of the fact that, hey, this, this kid doesn't have a home, um, we, we try and tie him in and get him resources, um, transportation, um, work-related services. So they'll, they'll try and work with the parents um, or parent um, to, to get him a job and, and things. It's, so it's available. It's, you know, it never happens as quickly as, as you would like, sure. you know. But you have someone you can call. We do. We do. Um, 
and and they were great. There's uh, an organization, or, or but you have, and, and it sounds like maybe you have to go to the district person mm-hmm. to to access those resources. That it's not, you don't have a direct contact like me, is what you're saying? No, no, I I, I would just reach out to the to the district um, McKinney Vento specialist, and then she or he would would contact the families, find out their needs, and then begin the process of of meeting whatever needs they have. Okay, so my next question. Um, let's say, because you mentioned also previously when we were talking about some of the challenges, that there's families who don't really have enough food at home. Yeah. Do you, where do you send them? Is that again, is that a district contact? Or can you say, hey, here's the Utah Food Bank. Here's Tabitha's Way. Here's a resource for you that you can go get services and get some food in the home. Yeah, it, it ebbs and flows. So I'll talk about a few things. So one of the initial things that we'll look at is obviously free and reduced lunch, right? So many families do qualify um, based off of their annual income for free lunch or a reduced rate um, for lunch. So we usually start there and if they qualify, awesome. If, but that's just at school, right? But that's just at school, right? Um, and that's so that would cover. We do offer breakfast every day and lunch, and that would cover those two meals. However, um, there's always gaps in services, right? So when I was at the junior high, um, we saw this. I'm seeing this at the elementary school as well. Okay, you have an extended holiday, you have weekends, you have the summer. It's like, okay, well, obviously they needed the food during the school year, now what? Like, they don't have it. So we saw this at our at our school. Many schools have seen this gap in services and they've um, worked with parents and created food pantries in their schools so that um, we can uh, get food home uh, for these kids. Again, you're not working with an outside agency. You're looking at uh, localized Very limited parents, resources, resources and, yeah. and those parents and, who, and teachers, whoever's running it, is having to go out it's to... Probably as a small outreach. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. I mean, we've ran drives. Like, I've been in schools. I've heard of schools running drives, food drives to collect food, and then you're using it. And, but again, you're looking at, like, inexperienced people just trying to make, sure. make it work. And, and it does, and, and some of them are fabulous, and, and the pantries, despite you know their uh, lack of experience, really serve a good number of their community it makes members. A difference and it, and it makes a lives. huge difference, oh my gosh. Like, I can't tell you the number of, of parents that just were in tears um, being able to receive the, those services. Um, clothing is another one, right? So um, I know a lot of the donation uh, centers like Savers or DI, Desert Industries, the, those are the common ones around here. Um, for a while, they would give us vouchers that we could use to give to kids. A lot of that has kind of disappeared. So we've worked with um, United Way. Sometimes we'll go to the Alpine School District Foundation, which is kind of the donation arm of the school district. So a lot of families will donate different things um, like backpacks, school supplies, sometimes jackets, um, sometimes glasses and things like this. Anyway, so we'll be able to go to them and say, hey, do you happen to have this? And if they do, great. Um, If not, then we're kind of on our own to figure it out. We've done 
Christmas drives in the past where we try and get food or clothing or things to certain families. So um, again, it's just kind of a hodgepodge of services. Like you go and see, and you reach. So I'm I'm aware of all these places that you're mentioning, and so we go there first. We talk to them. If they can help us, great. If not, we're kind of on our own. We figure it out. That's gotcha. kind of what we do. So you're not restricted on the methods you use to help a certain family. No. Like the district doesn't say you got to contact a district person before you can reach out to a Utah food bank or no. send a family to there or, or something like that. Um, it, you do have some discretion as a, the administrator at the school to say, oh yeah, Feed the Kids can come in and just make a straight donation to us and we'll put it in kids' accounts and stuff like that. Absolutely, and we, we love that. Um, we accept, I mean, every year we'll have certain parents that maybe are involved with certain um, non-profits or their company wants to make a donation, things like that. Um, so it happens a lot and it is one of my most, um, you know, wonderful experiences to work with these companies and people that want to help schools. Because schools need it. They really do. We don't have enough resources. No. As much as people think there's tons of money that the districts are just sitting on, there's not. No. And there's there's not enough money to really take care of a lot of the needs. But if, as a community, I feel like we have other resources that we can pull together as a community and, and help help our own right here in our backyard. Um, and find ways that we can give back to each other and, 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 and not because we're trying to become some big figure of, and, and, and get prestige or anything like that. It's just because there's so much kindness in every single person that, you know, we just want to help each other and people just, a lot of times people just don't know how to help. Um, so, uh, Ryan, talk to us a little bit more about breakfast and lunch and kind of how it works at schools. And where, where when my foundation came in, how that helped at your school? Yeah, I'm glad you asked. So um, breakfast, we serve it every day, right? Um, if, if you're on free lunch, obviously you don't pay. Reduce lunch, um, cuts the price down slightly. But um, the majority of our students don't qualify for that and so they're paying and so if they eat breakfast I think it's like a dollar twenty or something like that um, lunch is two dollars and and so uh, you know a lot of families will will be able to afford that but every year we have a good number of families that just don't um, for one reason or yeah, another. We're, we're talking four dollars or less a day for yes, kids to eat so, breakfast and lunch. Yeah. So I mean these are not massive amounts um you know if if a kid were to eat breakfast and lunch every day all year it'd be what 600 bucks 700 bucks a family per kid right um you got five six kids it starts to add up yeah um and that's i think where we start to see a challenge right is so you might have a family and they're low income and but they make enough that they don't qualify or maybe they just qualify for a reduced lunch um and they've got five or six kids in the school system, you know, they're, they're making ends meet, but barely scraping by. Um, and so then you reach a point where maybe, you know, they get cut hours, you know, a lot of, a lot of these families don't have stable employment. Um, they might lose their job partway through the year or, or they'll get cut hours or they can't, 
maintain or they get sick and so they're not paid when they're not going to work. And so when that happens, unfortunately, or however you want to look at it, one of the first things that that stops getting paid is the school lunch, you know. They go into the red and thankfully um, we're kind of like the emergency room, right? Like we're not going to deny services. Kid comes and wants lunch. We're not going to say, sorry, kid, we're not feeding you today. No, which we, is awesome. We absolutely are going to feed the kids that that need it every day. We believe in that. We want them to be um, fed, and or they can't learn, <laughs> for goodness' sake. So, anyway, so they start to amass a a bit of a debt, right, for school lunch. Some families, you know, that might be a couple weeks, and it'll add up to twenty, thirty bucks. Um, some families, um, it goes on for for months. Um, sometimes all year they can't pay and so now they've got hundreds and sometimes thousands of dollars of debt um, and 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 that's food right right so we know it's important we want to take care of them but it's still someone's paying for that right um, the mean, federal it costs food to order to bring it in and have yeah it and it's subsidized kitchen. right I mean the mills are subsidized so that two dollars that they're paying it actually costs way more than that for them to, to feed that kid. Um, and the federal money pays for that subsidy as well as for the free and reduced. Um, but it's not paying for those people that that don't pay their school lunch accounts. So that's that's part of the issue, right? So when you when you look at when you came in and, and we sat down and we pulled the accounts and we looked at it, I was quite frankly just as shocked as you were to see that we had that large of a, a group of of our students that um and this was right before christmas yeah this was right before christmas and then i think we i think we donated almost 2200 dollars that day yeah so from, yeah from so two thousand dollars right of of defaulted school lunch um is so let me is that just from the start of the school year to that point with all these different kids or is that does it carry over from year to year right so we had so that was debt from that school year. But what happens is if we continue on for the remainder of the year, say you hadn't come in and we still had, I'm sure by the end of the year it would have been up in the three, 4,000 range, mm-hmm. right? Um, what, what happens is just like if you lose a library book or anything else that, that goes as a school fine, then we contact the parents and say, hey, you know, you need to pay this you know, money, and and then if they don't, which, you know, a, a number of them do, um, and and that's awesome. You know, they go and they get jobs and they, they're able to figure out a way to pay for it. But many of them don't and just can't. And so they'll, just like anything else with a fine, you know, they at some point we're done chasing it and we send them on to collections and, and let somebody else chase it. So you send them to collections like, every year at the end of school year yeah there's there's always from one year to the next and and still give them an opportunity to try to catch it up or how does that work yeah so we we do try um but at some point if they can't pay then it just goes into collections and the collections agencies are trying to get them to pay at that point it really doesn't impact us at the school but it still impacts the family right because they're still getting the pressure they're still being asked 
they're getting hounded. When, I, when I've worked in these situations with kids and with families, it just creates this really weird situation, right? Yeah. Because the kids coming, is the one coming to school every day, being like, hey, you know, you need to pay your school lunch. And they're like, it's not my fault, you know? And, right. and so they're, they're in this weird situation where it's like they know what's going on, they know their parents are struggling with money, but you know, Anyway, it's just a lot of pressure to have to put on a kid, and it's. Well, and I also think about you know what I mean. Our, our head lunch clerks and stuff, right? Yeah. I mean, ultimately, from those the ones I've talked to, is it falls on them to try to get parents to pay yeah. their school lunch accounts. So here we are. We're asking these ladies or men to be a collection agency. Yeah. That they just want to help kids and feed kids and and take care of the nutrition side of it and then we ask them to put on the collection agency hat and make phone calls and leave voicemails and yeah. and it's be uncomfortable the per- be the person that is gets avoided all the time because mm-hmm. you know people just are in a position that maybe somebody got sick at home maybe somebody lost their job or or you know they just for whatever reason can't make their they're, they're struggling not just with their school lunch again they're probably struggling with other things that, that they're paying trapping to pay on and and so it, yeah, you're right. It just it changes the dynamics. Um, and then that's part of the reason why I started the Feed the Kids Foundation is that we don't want these families being sent to collections over their, their lunch accounts. No. Um, and $4, $4 a day feeds one kid. Yeah. And I, I mean, you, you know, I don't know if you saw this report uh, at the in, in May that came out that one of the local news stations did, um, but the report said we were one point seven million dollars in the hole with school lunch accounts for the state of Utah last year, in May. Wow. Um, I'm I'm not surprised, but no, I didn't see it. But what one point seven million dollars for the school year of 2022-2023, and when you're a senior in high school, if you have fees that your family hasn't paid and this includes lunch fees or any athletic fees or any other school fees they don't give you your, your diploma until you get those things paid for you got that right um and so this is where in, in my opinion that uh we can rally together as a community and make it a win-win for people and businesses and and grateful to the businesses who that we're, we're bringing on board as partners with the foundation who are donating money to us that we can turn around and donate to schools like yours and to help these families um, because and, and to take the pressure off everybody at the school and the kids. He doesn't have to come in. And he doesn't have to get that stamp anymore on his hand that says, hey, mom and dad, I got another stamp on my hand today. The lunch lady said to remind you to go online and pay for my school lunch account, right? Uh, and then that, and the kid goes, oh yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll get it, mom. I'll get it, mommy. We get another one the next day, and the next day, and, you know, we stop those embarrassments. We stop all of those things by just rallying together as a community. And you know, our Feed the Kids Foundation is a nonprofit. It's a five one c three. So companies, individuals that donate to us, it is a tax write off. So yeah, people could come in and they could just make donations to you directly, right? And if people want to do that, that's awesome. Um, but Feed the Kids is there to do exactly what you're describing and to stop those those unnecessary things and man if we rallied as a state i think we could cover that and we could cover all that deficit really i mean we have 3.3 million people in this state and we wouldn't even need everybody to donate four dollars yeah 
um, we would need like six or seven hundred thousand people to donate four dollars and it would cover that whole cost yeah wouldn't that be amazing you know because these families they aren't you know again you're you're, you're talking about a small percentage of the families and it's this gap in services right it's not like they're just being insubordinate hey we're not going to pay for school lunch that's not that's not it these families would pay if they could they look, just can't. life happens to all of us right and that, that's what I say look life happens at some point in our lives there's going to be things that happen to us they're going to make us make decisions and there might be times when you're to two income household and one of the incomes isn't there for a while yeah yeah you may have to burn through savings if you have savings or I mean, life happens and it's it's not easy and, and who are we to say what the right decision is you know from the outside looking in we're not sitting there we're not behind those doors we're not behind those walls we're not having to make decision on the budget and where can I go buy milk can I go buy bread or eggs or whatever right now and hey we got to pay the gas bill to keep the gas on the heat in the exactly. house exactly so right. if we can take away this simple part, right, then hopefully it eases the burden elsewhere. And hopefully we can work with these families to, like you said, find them maybe a better job or, you know, provide food through the Utah Food Bank to the home to make sure that there's enough food in the home outside of the kids coming to school to be able to make a difference. Right. In those families' lives. Not just for the kids coming to school, but for everybody else in that household, too. Um, and, you know, it is a unique situation that we're in. And and it's fun for us to come in and write those checks and, and because people are so gracious with their money and donate to the foundation. And we can pass that on. I'm kind of putting you on the spot here. And, That's okay. But... Uh, after we came in and you guys reached out to the, the, the schools, the, 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 what was kind of the response that came from it? Um, just complete gratitude, you know, like not only like I think the first level was, you know, my lunch manager and them gratitude, right? Because yeah. of what we already discussed, like, wow, we don't have to hand these families anymore. Wow. We don't have to stress about our budgets anymore. Um, the next level is those families, you know, when they found out, hey, they they were so appreciative and grateful and like, are you kidding? Like, who did this? Like, that was, like, it was a miracle for them. Um, like, they, I don't know, I, I, I agree with you. I think families and, and, and communities, these people are good and, and people are good and they're kind and they want to help and everyone's doing their best and so when when we come together like that it just creates just such a a welcoming inviting atmosphere right in in our homes in our schools in our communities that you know we're we're looking after each other you know we're not forcing um anyone to uh to struggle more than than they need to and and those families yeah they were just they were so thankful and just such such light and happiness in their lives when when they were able to see that okay that's one less thing we need to stress about anymore so yeah it was it was so amazing and the timing of it right before christmas you know i think that that was pretty amazing too but yeah well that's awesome um ryan so i know i've had you a little longer than what we planned um 
how in your mind can the community be a little bit more active um, in the education world? What, what can we do to help rally around our elementary schools, our junior highs, our high schools? What would you suggest to the people that are listening? So the one thing that maybe I'll just kind of wrap up with is, is this. Um, a lot of times we, we want to um, pick apart various things, including education, and complain or, um, and, and whine or say, I don't like this, I don't like this. And, and that's fine. I mean, obviously, we all have things that we need to improve in. But one of the things that I believe we all have a right and responsibility to in, in our communities as citizens of this nation is to actually help make a difference. And public education is number one. Um, and so anything we can do to just make a positive difference in our schools is going to benefit your kids. It's going to benefit every kid. It's going to benefit our whole community. That's, that's why I went into education. That's why I do what I do every day, because I know it's creating a better society that I can live in, that I can raise my kids in. And so whether you're coming in to read with kids or volunteering or you're helping with the Feed the Kids Foundation and giving money so these kids don't have to uh, go without, anything that you do to help create um, and improve your, your school, your, your, your um, neighborhood schools is just gonna breed like more and more improvement and happiness and, and, and success in, in this society that we live in. And, and I've seen it, I've seen it over and over again. Um, I, I just hope that we, um, we can all, that every family can in some small way find a, find their you know little piece that they can contribute to. Absolutely. Well, um, Ryan, thank you for taking time to come in and, and visit with us today and share this stuff with us. There's so much we don't know and we don't see that goes on in our schools and, um, and all the good that's really there too. I mean, like you said, there's too much. In, oh, that we're not doing this. We're not doing that. So. Um, thanks for enlightening us and sharing yeah. with us. And for those of you that are listening, if you live in the Orem Elementary area and you want to go serve and read to kids or help kids with reading or whatever it is that you you have strong points in, I hope you're okay, Ryan. I'm yeah, going to tell reach them to reach out. out to you and see what they can do to, to serve inside the school. That'd be great. So Awesome. Well, thanks, Ryan. And we're going to have you back on again, and we're going to follow up with some of this and see it how much of improvement we're making with your school and inside the community so sounds great i'd love to talk with you again thanks caleb okay thank you and remember small actions can create a ripple effect that change the world this is the give back podcast so let's make a difference together